drip. I'm a movie star, I'ma shoot a clip. Trampoline trap, make birds flip. Basic niggas still on the same shit. You really don't know nothing. That's why. So we're here with X. Introduce yourself. Uh, I go by X. Um, I wear many hats. I'm not just a rapper, but I'm also in the community working with uh, um, families that are in need. I work with very low-income families. I work with homeless children. Um, I've been a lifeguard for you know the city before. Where was your lifeguard? I was a lifeguard for the Where? city at Pearson Park. Stop it! I swear you could you could catch never me in, catch me in an article. I don't want to see you in. A- <laughs> no, for real, uh, I got featured in the Orange County Register for uh, my work with the special needs program. Um, and then uh, yeah, I've been pretty much anything that you can possibly think of that works with the community and tries to, you know, uplift the city of Anaheim. How'd you get into that? Um, I started that when I was 17. I started working um, just pretty much as a group leader just for some some money at the time. Uh, Didn't really take it too seriously until, uh, you know, I seen that I can actually make a difference. Once you... Once you're able to break through to that first kid that everyone sees as difficult or as the problem child, and you make that that bond that matters with them, um, you know, it ultimately kept me going and it kept me in it. How how was that feeling when that first that first person really reached out to you like, hey, look, you really helped me. I really benefited from your you doing this program or involving yourself in something like that with the community. So you know, of course, uh, that made all the difference to me because I grew up around, you know, people who were definitely there for me. But at the end of the day, when it came to academics and stuff like that, the only person who was really on top of me to stay on top of everything was, you know, my dad. And, you know, it's hard to stay within that realm and then be around all the stuff that we were around. So when that first connection happened, um, it was just like, you know, damn, I could be that person for someone that I wanted in my life at that time, you know. Um, I had a lot of people that I looked up to and a lot of role models, but at the end of the day, not all of those role models were role models for good. And once I realized that I could be a role model for good and I broke through to that kid, um, I'll never forget the words he said. He's like, you know, you're like the brother I never had. And then, you know, as the years have gone on yeah. and there's always the, that kid that I break through to, it's been brother, brother, you know, now you're like the dad that I never had. And when you are able to fill that gap for, uh, you know, a kid who doesn't have their father in their life, you know, you really feel the, the difference that you're able to make. Would you say, like, the positive and negative that you've seen growing up that was influenced, it helps you today so you can notify a problem or you can notify, okay, this kid has this negative and this positive in their life, and I know how to attack that. I know how to help them. I know how to really nurture them and say, okay, look, this, 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 that, 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 and it plays a bigger part? I mean, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, it, it helped me kind of craft how I attack each problem because uh, for most educators – that are in the field, they haven't faced those problems where they had to have been in the streets as much as we were when we were kids. 
or have to be around as many bloods or as many crips as we were when yeah. we were growing up. You know what I mean? And you <laughs> that's know, just the environment. Yeah, the environment that you come from. Growing up in a, a cholo hood, uh, we we definitely had to learn how to adapt. So I feel like I can be a chameleon at at some points. Like I feel like when I have to get down to the level of somebody that that is street or hood and have that conversation with them where they're like, you know, you don't understand me because you don't have the same upbringing as me. And I'm like, no, I understand exactly where you're coming from because I did have that upbringing, but I chose to take it in a different path than you did. So ultimately, it's like I can do that. And then at the end of the day, I can talk with the the corporate America and appeal to them as well. So do you think, um, not do you think, have you ever preach, not preach, but uh, instilled in the kids? It is a thing about choices, the choices that you make that that's very big. I think when I talk to people and I always let them know the first thing I say is a choice because you have a choice. Cause there's not everyone who grew up in a negative environment made a choice to either be negative or to be positive and reach out or reaching themselves or find that, different meanings so i don't never i never want to tell somebody oh you have to no you have a choice so do you really like teach that to the kids we instill that into the kids even when it comes to something as simple as enrichment so uh the enrichment of like choosing what stem club they want to go to or what um let's say we have boxing at the school we have um just all different types of programs that we offer the kids but when we have to uh kind of go back and look at everything i tell them every choice that you make does not reflect your peers it reflects on you so let's just say like i i've had kids that have come to me bordering on the lines of like you know this is my my upbringing this is where i'm native to and you know my parent was a a gangbanger so i think that that's something that you know i possibly might pursue and How do you then, address that, that, that particular question? Because that's interesting. Yeah. The way that I address it is I let them know, like, you know, my dad was a blood from South Central. And then they're like, wait, what? Yeah. What? You're nothing. Like, I would never see that on you. Even the, the educators that I do work with, they, they tell me the same thing. Because when they publish that article from OC Weekly mm-hmm. about, you know, my music and about me being... Um, a lifeguard in the community and how I have this like Clark Kent spin to me where I can be this rapper and then and by day work with the community and try and uplift everyone. Uh, I tell them, I was like, you know, I, I could have made those choices. I mean, I grew up surrounded by the, those influences. It's like, it's not your parents' choices that you need to follow. It's your own choices. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I tell them, like, deeply reflect on your life. Every parent's goal is to make sure that their child lives a better life than the one that was presented to them. Um, my dad never, ever pushed us being into gangs or being into the streets or anything like that. I mean, Thanks. Uh, same thing. You know, Shelton, we grew up around you. Like, of course, we never, I, we never, we was more, and I think so. Even though sometimes we shouldn't have had you around, 
we was just, I just remember when you was a kid, it was just always, we, I would always try to tell you. Like, I remember one of my favorite lines you used to love was drug use is life abuse and use a loser if you's a user. I used to just tell you that and literally be drunk or faded myself while I'm telling you that. It's just because it was a good point. It's like we're family. So I was always be like, look, you could do better than us. And it's not that we weren't doing that bad, actually. Like, I'm not saying in the sense of being poor or bad, but I think some of the decisions I was making personally was just horrible decisions because I had the choice. So that's why I asked you about that choice because a lot of people a long time I used to blame everyone else like oh that's your fault that's not my fault it was the choices I was making and I was making the choices out of hurt out of, out of pain out of, of being lost so to hear you doing this and I remember when I first came home that was one of the things you told me at first she was like look I changed and I'm doing this and I'm like well what did you change from nigga you was a good kid what the fuck yeah. happened so what was that change um honestly when I was younger um you know I was getting into all kinds of trouble um and I was able to keep that trouble away from the homestead, away from everyone that I was around. Um, and that was when I was a skater, when I was hanging out with all my friends and, you know, yeah. skateboarding and stuff like that. And then they started to edge over to the scene of, like, tagging and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm more afraid to get my ass whooped by my dad. Than you guys. Than you guys. So, so let me just uh, fall back. So let me let me start steering my way this way. But, you know, to say I didn't dabble in it, uh, I definitely dabbled. I just, you know, like I said, I was more afraid of that strong, uh, positive role, role model that I had in my father uh, than I was of the streets, period, and point blank. That's a big, a big notion for me. I never had a positive male figure, period, in the home. Yeah. See, because I go to your house with your dad, and his relationship with me was way different than his relationship with you. Yeah. It was, it was more like a little brother. It wasn't like, it was never like a son. It was like, it grew to be like a son, but it was more like a little brother where it was like, y'all, he would tell y'all, y'all can't do that. Shelton, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to go do this. And it was never, he never had me do nothing bad because yeah. all the gang stuff that came on my own because of what you said, it was the peer group. Yeah. Once you ha don't have that fear, someone can tell you, oh, he can't beat me up. or oh, he's not going to beat me up. Okay, I read, let me go see what you guys are doing because of that peer group. So I think nowadays, I don't see too many kids joining gangs, but I don't really be out there like no, that. Yeah, the gang culture is, is definitely on a, at an all-time low. Yeah. I feel like gang culture is more heavily associated with music because people want to— Assimilate that, that look yeah. with the sound, and then they don't know behind the scenes that dude's not that. Prime example is 6 9 Oh, man, shout that, out 6 9 That's man. prime example. I shout mean, out 6 9 Anyone looking at that situation, could I call tell that from the that jump. He I, was not a street. No, he dude. was not a street, and he said it like. But everybody said it like, dude. He's just hanging around street dudes, and he made a choice to to really live up to. That. And look at Lil Wayne. Listen, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne went from rocking uh, all blue, blue flags to, to all red flags, yeah, all and red. all that. Yeah. So, with that being said. I heard you mention the OC Weekly had the Clark Kent spent on the um, music in your actual. How was that for you? Um, the article that I did, I, I mean, I loved it. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like, yeah, they captured some of the things that I said in more of a negative light mm -hmm. than what I was intending it to be. Um, Note to self, journalism <laughs> yeah. and the media will twist everywhere. So you have to be conscious of saying what you say to them because they're doing it just to get the readers and just to get people to look at it. So. Yeah, no, yeah, most definitely. And I mean, that was something that I even, you know, I talked to the, the guy who wrote the article. The I was like, you know, I, I definitely uh, appreciate that you tried to capture as much, but I, I really wish we wouldn't have spent so much time talking about the struggles that I've had. 
because yeah i know that's an important part of each story is the struggle because everyone wants to know what the what the grind was to get to where you were and that's why people love cardi b so much yeah, the, cardi b was transparent nothing with is her something struggles. the nothing is something story yeah so I, I understood it, and at the end of the day, I don't knock them for doing that because, like you said, that's journalism. You open the door, you do. just let him in. Yeah. So, I I can't say that I even have any animosity towards them because I've definitely reached out to them after that. You know, we've kept in contact uh, for the most part. Um, so I don't really knock them for it. I, it's just kind of like one of those things that I have to be more conscious of the way that I deliver Every my time. message. Yeah, and we talked about that. And we're, before we get to how you deliver your message, I want to. Give us a kind of a backtrack on your music. What have you done and what are you working on and, and your goal and your aim with your music? Yeah, definitely. So uh, with my music, honestly, I've always been around music. I was around my dad when he started Mansion of Mayhem here in, you know, Anaheim with Stay Strap. And then Correct. I remember. Uh, to him going with Damon, uh, with Dinox, they started Calico Riders music. They started uh, the Calico Riders, and then um, from there to the Cali County Line Hustlers. <laughs> yeah, that was what was uh, what was the white boy name? Warren Vernon. Yeah, yeah, shout out Warren Vernon. Where is he? I wonder where he's at. Warren Vernon. So, um, seeing that, and then to Maserati Music Group. I where, think honestly, not to cut you off, I think. The most impressionable time for you was Maserati Music Group because it was oh, wild. Most definitely, it was I mean, wild. Then. <laughs> that 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 definitely um, pushed me more back into being in tune with what was going on with everyone. Yeah. Um, at that time, that's when Jerkin was super popping. Jerkin had I just remember, came out. I remember one day I'll never forget it. Uh, <laughs> I already know you know what I'm about to say. Uh, you know, you were having a party, the new, the nouveau party, the nouveau party, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I went up there. And, you know, that was when jerking was popping, so I was like, "Oh, I, I've been practicing. I'm about to go out here and start jerking." <laughs> I got laughed out the room. Everybody was like, hey, "What are you doing, chicken dancing?" <laughs> that that was one of the turning points in me just being in tune with hip hop culture. Yeah, because when that moment happened, it was like, "Damn." I, I've been kind of tapped in with the UCLA jerk crew, like with uh, I forgot what his name is, BB BB something. I don't know them dudes no more. Like that, that's like so yeah. foreign now. So he was he was one of the ones that I would watch, and uh, then I had to get like more in tune with the more street side of things, and that is when I got super tapped in with everything. And I used to be in high school. You know, battling people, and then yeah. when I came back again, and you had another party, I was like, "Ain't nobody finna lie." Ain't nobody. And you gotta come like that. Did it? What was the effect when you seen Little Sean get in the booth and Little Sean on a CD that we pressed up and we put out Little Sean doing shows underage, like, and you sitting at home? So this is this has been the biggest challenge of my career, as well as one of the highlights for myself personally, because I. I don't feel like I'm jealous of people. I feel like that's something that uh, is kind of foreign to me yeah. because I see my kids in the community and I try and uplift them and get them to different uh, heights. So when I see like my brother doing it and he's at a new height and then I see my dad doing it and he's at a new height, of course, uh, I would always write. I would always write stuff, but I was like, no, nah, like music is not for me. 
I would even tell my dad. My dad would always be like telling me and Big Sean, "Hey, get in the booth, get in the booth." Get and in that's the booth. his thing. He just he's not gonna let you slide. And on I was like, nah, like that. That's not me. I'd rather skateboard. And uh, when I seen my brother doing all of this, I was just like, man, like I, I was proud of him. And like I had friends, of course, that were like, oh, your brother thinks he's a little rapper now. <laughs> of course, they they always gonna hate. Yeah. No matter if no matter you, what you do, they are gonna hate. Especially if you're chasing a dream. If you're chasing a dream, you're going to get more hate than if you're sitting at home not doing a damn thing with your life because people are like, what makes him so special? And it's going to be the people you know, not even strangers. Strangers will support you more than the people you oh, know because they don't want to see you past them. Most definitely. I, I, man, trust me, I know from firsthand experience. Most definitely. Uh, that's that's kind of what it's been for me, uh, you know, because when I start working with people and I, they figure out, oh, your brother Sean is young proof? Oh, man, like, I used to listen to his mixtape back in high school, or I see yeah. his videos that he was doing back in high school. Like, they, to the younger generation, I feel like my brother is the legend. Like, yeah. he is the legend. And undoubtedly, my dad is a legend of Orange County rap. He, of course. Like I said, speaking on all the different uh, factions that he started or he was a part of, you know, he played a major, major key role in a lot of that. So I think definitely uh, comparing myself to these two legends and Orange County uh, rap is just like something that I've always had to bear the burden of and kind of be like, either I'm going to let people's opinion of my music bring me down or I'm going to make the music that I want to make for myself. And I think that's been a big part of my music is like, um, I've had to refocus myself and my energy into, you know what, instead of worrying about what other people are going to feel about the music that I make, Welcome. Welcome. let me make the music that makes me happy at the end of the day. Because, of course, I have, I mean, definitely shout out to Curtis, my my cousin's husband, but, you know, that's fam. Mm -hmm. uh, he always wants me to do a lyrical track. <laughs> he always wants me to do lyrical Bring tracks. Bring the bars. Like, Bring the bars. Like, every time. He'll, he'll hit me and be like, oh, that song was cool, but it ain't lyrical, so give me a lyrical song. What's up with you? How does Thomas hit you? Thomas. Westbound. How does Westbound hit you when, when you when Thomas he hears the music? hasn't really given me much feedback when it comes to, to music, just because he's exploring different avenues, so I don't think he's really focused on the music as much as he used to be yeah um you know i sent him my album one time and he was just like this is you and that's usually people's impression when they hear my music because when i talk i talk really slow and like you know long and drawn out but then when i rap I, i'm able to express the emotions that i feel so you know when he heard it he was just like damn like this is hard you know this is hard i i could I could definitely uh, definitely see the influences in rap that you got from each different person that you've worked with. Yeah. Or, you know, even Thomas. Thomas is not from Orange County whatsoever, but when he was rocking with Cali County Line Hustlers, you know, he was able to put a little print in his Oh, in no, most OC definitely. Music. He, he... I remember when he first came, when we did Mazar Music Group, when he first came and we did yeah. like damn near like a fucking mixtape that weekend. Yeah. And that was actually the first time Little Sean even got in the booth and that yeah. made him like, and then I'm going to keep it real with what one thing about Little Sean that really like just sparked my eyes was he would be like, call me, hey, come pick me up. I want to go to the studio. Your dad would be going somewhere. I'm like, yeah. all right, bad, let's go. 
and it was just came natural to him. It came like that's one of the few people that I can say yeah, that came natural to him. Yeah. Um, I just think that like the benefit of me being me, I didn't have no one like your dad was a like brought me in like hey come rap to studio, but it was we had two different styles and I was from the yeah. south that it never was no comparison. It was always as uh, Shelzers, he's from the south, he raps from the south. Yeah. <laughs> I've always was given that, so I was given that room to just grow. So with yours was. I believe your dad told me when I was locked up, like, hey, Xavier can sing. Oh, that nigga can't sing yeah. shit. What the fuck? <laughs> he said, that nigga, I said, man, that nigga don't do no music. That nigga's trash. You know how we are. So I'm like, he's trash. But I remember when I first came home, the first thing I hear is like, hey, let's go to the studio. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, okay. The first song we did was uh, I Don't Play No I Games. I Don't Play No Games. Yeah. And it, it was crazy because I to sit there, and it's, when his family is different, when you guys are all in the studio and you like, and here I'm at this time now. I'm not believing my age. I don't believe my age. I'm like, I'm this damn. These niggas is grown. They yeah. got a kid. It's like <laughs> at this point, I'm like, you know what? Let me see. Let me just get this a, a play because yeah. I don't know where this is gonna go. And then you're, I forgot who was it. Who was the dude that was with? Uh, A.E. A.E. And yeah. then I'm like, I'm like, okay, it's cool. And then I, th- I remember his look on his face when I was listening to it. I think he did his ver- your verse. And his verse is already on there, yeah. correct? And I'm listening to it. I'm like. Well, fuck it. I'm just gonna freestyle my verse real quick, and then we're gonna get this shit done. He was like, yeah. "No, yeah." I he was I like, "He was like, wait, wait, wait." <laughs> I was like, "I'm not gonna sit here and write this shit. I ain't got time for this." And I remember we went hard that what first month. Yeah, we went hard that first month. It was yeah. just going crazy. Like um, that, the wrap up to that was the observatory show that we did man. with. Uh, I think it was uh, Mac Ten Dub C. Was that Mac Ten WC? It wasn't. That was my first show, Mac Ten WC. Yeah, that Mac was a great. WC. That was a great show. I love that show. Yeah. Even though they thought I was somebody, I probably wasn't. Because yeah. they thought I was some nigga from the South with dreads. Because they just, <laughs> ah, I'm like, they don't even know me. Nigga, yeah. They think I'm just some nigga from the South with the dreads. But bringing up that show, how does that feel when it's you and your brother up there? Because I never got to experience that. Yeah, I mean, that it's surreal. I mean, you were backstage with us. I, yeah, we're, yeah. We were both super hyped because yeah. we had never performed for that many people before. That, oh, that was the first time. That oh, was the first. Big I didn't know show that. For I didn't because you. When I came home, I just thought, "Hey, you, y'all literally hit me like, oh, you're on the show. We're doing that song.' I'm like, okay, yeah. Well, no, I fresh out. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I, I'll do it. Fuck it. No, yeah, and I. That's how I am with my music. You know, that's how I am. But we'll get to get into that later. But that was the first big show that we had. Like. We, we we had been going from performing at Felipe's and doing shows like that, you know, little rinky-dink bars here and there. And I went on a show run that was insane, insane. I did over 100 shows in one year, um, just going and perfecting my craft, you know, uh, learning to deal with different groups of people. I was performing in L.A. I was performing... Uh, performing Long Beach, I was performing in Anaheim, I was performing Santa Ana, uh, I went down to San Diego a few times to perform there, you know, just um, just to get the experience, because my biggest thing is, if I'm going to go at something, I want to know that I'm prepared for it, so when I did that, and then we finally uh, got Chain Reaction, Chain Reaction hit us up, and they were just like, you know, come down host a show and they hit us up because one of our songs when i was rocking with some group called well it was our group called the halo city natives mm-hmm. uh it was me uh it was ae but he goes by uh, young and three now and uh it was young skywalker and we um 
we had put in so much work on our tracks, and then one of our tracks <laughs> caught hustling and hit like three thousand plays on SoundCloud, and for us, we were just like, "Oh shit!" Like, oh shit, here we is, go, SoundCloud hype. Yeah, this track yeah. is popping. And as soon as that happened, as soon as we hit three grand, Chain Reaction hits us up, and they're like, "Hey, we want you guys to host a show down here in Anaheim." So I'm like, "All right, for sure." So we went, we knocked out that show. Um, we had someone in the audience who, you know, had connections, who knew uh, someone from out the house. With Droops or something like that? Yeah. Droops? Yeah. With Droops. So they knew him, and they were like, you know what? You and your brother have chemistry. Like, it's crazy. You guys are born performers. And we were like, yeah, like, if we could get this popping, we can get this popping. But for me, in the back of my mind, I was just kind of like, uh... You know, everyone's going to come in here and offer you something or act like they know something that they don't. So I was kind of like, I'll believe it when I'm on stage. Yeah. Um, because we had been burned so many times. I will say um, for Observatory, they're pretty professional because you got to sign the contract when you get the tickets. You got you got an obligation. They really run that legit. So from my experience, and y'all introduced me to them because I didn't even know, and then I found out I did know some people that know them that it's very professional. You have to sign the contract. You have to, and even though they make people sell tickets, I think that's still worth it because you oh, do yeah. get you get that experience and you do get that exposure. So, yeah, most definitely, um, they they definitely didn't handle it unprofessionally at all. So when they did reach out to us, me and my brother were hyped. And then I remember you guys hit me. Yeah, when yeah. we got when we got there, signed the contract and everything, we were hyped. Like, oh damn, this is really about to happen. Uh, we sell those tickets. That show, I think we we yeah. broke into like the one fifties of how many tickets. We yeah, because sold. I remember you told me you was like, hey, we want you to do this show with us. I'm like, oh, so I gotta sell tickets. You know, we already sold out the tickets. Just come do the show. We just want you on. You're yeah. out. We just want you on. And I always just tell y'all, thank y'all. Anytime I tell people that starts, like they was the first one to give me my like first three shows. Like no, first four. Twice at that observatory and twice at Chain Reaction. Yeah. For so, the first four. So it was, honestly, when you came back, that was when it started popping the most. Yeah. That, that's when uh, we started pushing and we started grinding and getting everything out there. And yeah. then, you know, uh, you know, I've had to take long breaks from music just because, you know, I got family situations I got to deal with or something with the community is being thrown off. That's, so yeah, that's the hard sure, balance. You know, I got to go and balance that out or, you know, with the coaching stuff that I was doing, you know, making sure that I get out there and make sure that our team is operating at a high level. So it's just like so many different things were pulling me away from music, but I always kept coming back and, you know, that, that's something that you had always been on me like man and i used to tell you like bro drop the music like because like you see when i when i got out i hit the ground running like yeah. i'm not gonna stop because one it was more therapy for me like remember because you man I, what i've been around since I was six years old and you used to always see me go back and forth to jail or back and forth to prison but i was doing music and we had a conversation you're like bro if you would have stayed out the music you was doing then is the prevalent music right now and you would have been on that caliber and i said and i used to tell you like right now i'm bro I'm doing it for therapy. It gives me something to do, and it's, it's actually bringing me peace. But I used to always tell you, and I wonder why you never did it. Why did you never attack social media and put it on the digital platforms? So this ties into my strong connection to the community. Um, the thing is, when you work with kids, you got to maintain a certain type of, you know, look to the parents, to, mm -hmm. you know, just the community as a whole. And... Uh, when that article from OC Weekly dropped, 
all of my kids knew about it before anyone. And I'm like, you know, how did this happen? Yeah. But kids are kids are the the tastemakers, honestly. Kids will will find that music that you're trying to hide from them. They they will find every single part of you that you're trying to hide from them. So when they read my story and they were just kind of like, "Oh, Mr. Xavier used to hang out with gangbangers." Yeah. You know, I didn't like I didn't like the way that felt. I didn't like the way that, you know, my kids were looking at me and kind of being like, man, you had a tough story. But then uh, that changed for me recently. That changed for me recently just because I I kind of broke through that that mindset because I'm like, wait, my kids still respect me and they know my story. My kids are still willing to ride or die for me and they know my story. Yeah. Um, You know. That was something I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna attack it harder, and you know recently I had to break off from my pages into like different different factions because I have a coaching page now where I keep it strict strictly coaching yeah. and strictly all that. Um, I have my I am Xavier page where it's all my music and I do mm-hmm. these like little. Uh, <clears throat> edits from instagram where i you know throw little gifs up there for um for my video to give context to my lyrics okay and i throw those up there on my instagram and you know i started throwing them up and of course my kids found it but they were just kind of like oh you know it's cool it's cool to them these days they don't you know what i will say about the youth they're not as judgmental as i was in my youth like our youth we were judgmental if you were soft use a mark if you're not with what we're at get over there with that being said, would that be a direct correlation of why you've never done a music video? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Because it's different than them hearing me on a record you. and then them seeing me. Because now it's for real. Now, yeah. now it's for real. But like I said, I had to break break out of that. And now uh, one person I can definitely say helped me break out of that mindset was uh, the person I'm working with now, and that's Joseph. Uh, he goes by Jay Ruva. Um he helped break me out of that mindset of like, you know what? If you're going to try and achieve your dream, then you got to stop worrying about what everyone else is going to think about what you're doing. And he's like, I understand that you're in the community and I love that. But, you know, we got to attack this. If if you if we really want to make this happen, we got to attack it. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. So he he set up a, a video and that video is dropping in uh, December. But yeah, on YouTube, just, on YouTube, uh, on YouTube, yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of crazy because I have like, for me personally, it's the opposite. When I had the negative music up, when I came home and all the music was negative, I was getting so much love. I was getting so many views. I was getting all that. As soon as I just went, say, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being negative. I'm tired of being known as this particular person. I started seeing a drop. Yeah. And I was like, damn, what the fuck? I'm like doing the right thing for once. Then I had to find the balance. Cause at first I wouldn't post. I was do- going to like a nonprofit meeting. I wouldn't post and I'm helping the community. I'm like, yeah. they, they can't know this. But then, um, really when we had the Nipsey hustle, uh, candle visual, people were coming up and they knew me as, Oh yeah, you might as well shows you do this, you do this. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm like this. And that was really maybe break out and say, you know what? Fuck it. If they don't like me for this, they don't have to like me. I don't care about it. I'm not here for their, their approval. I'm just here to tell my truth and tell my story and be me. So yeah. I applaud you for that because that situation is so hard, especially yeah. when it's, and then you got family. Like my mom, 
like she's so supportive of me now. And like before, I didn't really think she supported my music because I she would never like even talk about it. Yeah. But then you know I was doing other shit too, so it's like she's probably like, hey, he's just doing this. Like I said, the correlation. Yeah. She she probably put that music and gangbanging yeah. in one in one, one lane in one lane, and that's that's it. So I'm not gonna support that because that's supporting his banging and and that was better. Like like it's so good because she's like every community event I have, anything I do, she's there. She's willing to help. So with that being said, how does your family react to um, your community work opposed to your music? Um, that that's a I feel like that's a difficult question to answer because you know they support it most definitely, mm-hmm. but I feel like the support comes from a distance instead mm, of I get it a a direct like oh I'm here I'm here for it type and participation of, of it like, yeah. like I'm gonna help you with this because I support you or it's just more they're supporting you because you're doing it and they love you yeah yeah okay. so it's kind of like it's it's difficult to say that they don't support me because that would be a lie mm-hmm. but it it would definitely be a lie for me to say that you know every family event that I do I got my family there with me um but that's become less and less important for me because I have my own family to worry about now. Straight so, up, not straight up. So it's like when I think in terms of family now, I think my daughter and my fiance. That out. You still get married know. at Disneyland? Huh? Are you still getting married at Disneyland? No, I didn't get married at Disneyland. St- I pro- I no, but you said, you know, where did you say you was going to get married at? Uh, like uh, a Star Wars, not the Star Wars thing. You said no, something. No, I, I was going to propose to her in Star Wars land, and we okay. ended up doing that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure you was telling me. I was like, what the fuck? No, yeah. I got to stay true to me. <laughs> you did, uh, you're, oh, my God. I used, to get, you remember I, used, I remember I used to get drunk and come home and beat you up. <laughs> I used to be coming there drunk and beat the shit. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. It's this funny story, right? And I'm not going to say, we can't say no names. Okay, we're going to tell the story. We can't. So I used to be wild and young. And um, I remember I used to come over there and they used to be, these niggas had a room and they would never sleep in their room. And they knew I would come over late night with females, right? <laughs> so it's him, all his brothers, and his cousin Thomas. And like these are like my little brother's little cousin. I tell the girl, I tell the girl, like, hey, look, they're asleep. Don't worry about nothing. And I'm maxing it out on the floor. <laughs> and, they're, and they're just watching. I, hear, I just like these niggas is wild. These little badass kids, man. Hey, but it used to be so crazy because they used to just be like this niggas wild. So I want to talk about something that we I, we've talked about, but we really never talked about was uh, the night the night that I caught the case, and oh, uh, yeah. that was real hard because it happened so fast. You guys were there, and I tried to I don't like doing that shit around y'all, and I used to always be like, man, leave me alone. Um, and you guys were there through the whole case, and um, I know you asked me one time why I never asked you guys to testify on my behalf because you guys seen and knew what happened. You guys were just young. And I didn't want no, yeah. I didn't want you guys because what they do to you, they put you on the stand. And then they go through your whole family's background. Your whole family, not just mine, your dads, your aunts, your uncles, and they say, This is why you're saying this. And I knew, I knew what I was doing. And I was like, nah. Cause I seen you guys in court that day when I went when they was trying to give me the life, and they were like, No, nah, you can't change lawyers. How did that make you feel though that I didn't ask you, like, hey, come testify? Um, I knew what it was. Like, period, point blank, I knew what it was. And, uh, you know, it was not only just the the witness prepping and looking yeah. through all that, but it's it has all the, the street ties that go with it, too. Yeah. You know, um, 
like you said, we we may not have been directly involved in the streets, but you know, my dad and everyone else made yeah. sure that we knew the street code. Exactly. And that is the reason why we knew. Yeah. We we knew what it was. Yeah. You know. And uh I think it was for me I felt like it was a respect move to my dad. Yeah. For you not to to ask us to do that. Because yeah. like you said, the situation just escalated out of nowhere. Out yeah. of nowhere. So um the fact that we were there for it, it was just kind of like, you know, yeah. I can't can't really have them come out and, you know, defend the actions that I had in those exactly. escalated the moments. Choice, and here, this is what I want the people to know. That the choice that I made, it's hard. A lot of people don't understand that. The choice I made to say, okay, you know what? They was there. And I can say they can understand. They could probably get up there and say, yes, he didn't do it on purpose. She was in trouble. He went to her defense. And yeah. they would have looked at y'all like, okay, that's good. That's your cousin. You're going to say that. Now, and I sat there, man, because everybody was like, you're going to just do this? The judge was like, you're just going to do this. You're going to go face life by yourself. With pro bono without a, a paid attorney i said yeah if i'm gonna get life i'm gonna give me life yeah and i'm gonna do this myself and the hardest thing was he and they and this is what they do in the courts you sure your family wants you to do that and i look back it's you your brothers your dad my mom my kids and their mom and i'm looking like yeah I, i'm sure i want to do this because it's my life yeah and i always was just like i was like damn and then when you told me that i was like okay yeah I was right. And then I'm pretty sure, like, they know, they know the G, they know the code and we always live by the code. But I think beyond that, I think without that, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here right now. No, yeah, most definitely. I mean, um, I think you've chosen to see your time as a blessing instead of the oh, curse. Oh, most de- man, most definitely. So I think uh, definitely the transition from who you were as, Maserati shells then, then and who oh you are man. now. That was is, Maserati shells back then was crazy. Yeah, it's night and day. You know it's what not, I mean? It's like, soup. Hey, I do miss some days. <laughs> the days where it'd be 10 artists in the house. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, a lot of artists that's still out now, you were around them when you was a kid. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You that. were around them as a little kid. I'm like, damn, that nigga was around. My thing is, since we're saying that, is how instrumental was your dad in your career and what you're doing now and everything in general? Pretty much. I wouldn't be who I am without my dad, period. Like, he he showed us the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> um, we were, I can vouch. We were exposed to so many different things where um, our childhood was definitely fun, but definitely traumatic as well. And, you know, those things that we were around and that we were exposed to, definitely helped shape the man that I am today and I think those experiences that we were around that we did get to witness because you know um there was a lot of different instances where you know we were around shit that was going on that we were like wait did you just see that did somebody just get knocked out did this female just get knocked out did you know everybody get knocked out left and right and we just kind of sitting there like desensitized to it because we were around it so often and we saw it like it, it kind of, it was kind of like your experience where you decided to take it in a positive manner instead of a negative manner. You know, of course, some of those things I, I can still 
definitely say have played an effect and a role in certain negative aspects of my life, but more so to the positive aspect than anything. So I choose to take that in the positive manner in which it, I can present it to myself. Because if I sit here and I dwell on everything that we went through, everything, you know, like I said, like you said, sitting in the courtroom and watching somebody that we are cousins, we, you know, we're family, uh, facing life, you know, that hit me hard. So it's kind of like we, we've had to navigate through the negativity and find the light at the end of the tunnel. I think I did pretty good. And see, and I think I should get a lot more props for that because all the times I snitched on y'all to get y'all yeah. ass whooped. I did y'all a favor by telling on y'all because snitching on you. No, because <laughs> no. Okay, this is what it was. This is what it was. Right with them, right? Is they? It's three brothers, right? And these were like my little brothers, my little cousins. I treat them like I treat my brother Mookie, and they would be fighting with each other. I'm like, bro, stop fighting because I had to wash these niggas. And I'm like, stop fighting. All right, bet. When they dad come out, hey, man, these niggas was fighting, man. But then the cold twist to the story is they be fighting. I tell on them, I'll be like, as soon as they dad go out to like visit somebody in another state, I'll be like, y'all better not say that I'm having a party. I'm having bitches over here. Y'all better not say that I'm going to fuck you niggas up. They like, (laughs) but I'm going to tell you the wildest part about them, right? Is when they were like teenagers, they were all in high school. I think he was a freshman. And Big Big Sean and Lil Sean were like, what, sophomores or juniors? Me and Big Sean were uh, freshmen, and then Lil Sean was sophomore. Okay. So, bam. And, um, I forgot what happened. Your dad went out of uh, your dad went out of town. He's like, "Hey, watch him!" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna watch him." And we had went to this party. And mind you, I remember you guys on this show. I do not, I do not advocate drug use. Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> I had, <laughs> I used to use drugs. So, but I don't advocate it no more. We're clean and sober. But um, we was at this party with all the homies, and I took y'all. And you were like, "Hey, where are we going?" I'm like, "Hey, don't trip. We finna go over here. It's cool." So we at the barbecue. We having this party. And I remember I was like, hey, don't tell your dad y'all over here. And they're like, what's that smell? I'm like, what? That cigarette smell that smoke? I said, don't worry about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's Sherm. Don't worry about that. We're good, though. And so I remember we went back and had this big-ass party. And I remember we had this big-ass party. I said, you niggas bet not tell on me. I said, you niggas bet not tell on me. And it's crazy. The reason why I say that is because at the age you are now, you've been to more parties the most probably people your age, like you've seen more that is giving you an accelerated maturity. Exactly. To be able to do what you're doing in the capacity to still raise your family and still be, be, be there and understand what you need to do. Cause I remember it's a couple of times you called me on when I was doing bullshit, like, Hey, you're fucking up. You're doing this bullshit. And yeah. I just sit there and be like, okay, yeah, you're right. I should slow down. Where the old me would be like, nigga, mind your business for this, this, that. Yeah. But I've learned that at no at any person, a one-year-old to a six-year-old can teach me something and vice versa. And I think that it's a testament to just our environment that we came from and the people that we were around to help us do that. With that being said, your new music, are you going to try to blend the two? What, like the community work and uh, what I do just musically or like you talking about like the past and the present type thing? All of it. Like, are you going to take that? Um, was it a, a personality disorder? Yeah, multiple personality disorder. The new community work and the new goal you have and you blend that into the new X because that's what I did with Maserati shells. I took the old Maserati shells, the Maserati shells that was in prison and then the new one. And came up with talking with Maserati. Came up with the eighty one, eighty two team. I yeah. trusted in people around me that's going to say, you know what? These gonna people are going to hold me accountable for my mistakes and for my flaws and for my the things I do wrong. They're going to hold me accountable and they're going to help me grow and I'm going to help them grow. Yeah. And so that's where we're at right now. So to speak to that integration of 
just Xavier as a person. Um, that is what multiple personality disorder was about. It was about the integration of, you know, Mr. X to the kids at the school, um, uh, Coach Xavier to the players on my team. Um, you know, I've been lifeguard Xavier. I've been, you know, all these different uh, hats that I've had to wear to now being father to, you know, always being brother and son and putting all of those things together has been what I've always been about. So that integration has always been there. It's just um, people choose to see the side of me that they want to see. Um, like I said, I can, I can be a chameleon in a room from, you know, convicted felons to, you know, Fortune 500 company owners. I can be Xavier and know that I'm comfortable within myself. So I had to find that inner peace to kind of bring everything together and be comfortable with who I am because the times where I haven't been comfortable with myself, it feels like the world's falling apart. It feels like, you know, everything is going wrong, but then I have to find that comfort back in myself because um, one thing I heard someone say, it was like, you can search for happiness for a partner to bring you happiness. You can search for, you know, a substance to bring you happiness, but you're never going to know true happiness until you find it within yourself. And facts. That's big facts. Self-love. I live by that. I, I make sure that before anyone else, I love myself the most. Uh, I got to be my biggest fan. I got to know if I'm going on stage in front of a thousand people like we did at the observatory, knowing that this person might not fuck with my music. This person will. But at the end of the day, do I fuck with my music? Do Can I literally sit down and say, you know what? What I made, I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with what version of Xavier I chose to present on this song. And that's something that I've had to live by, even with what I do in the community. Because, I mean, I, I come through dressed like I'm... Just like this, I'll you always, go and listen, work listen, with the let's kids. Not, let's not lie to no one. This is how you always dress. Don't yeah. act like you switched to dress. Yeah, this is how I always dress. And I'll go straight up around the kids, same thing. And they make fun of you, yeah? No. no <laughs> I just the, kid, with the you. kids are like, that's Mr. Xavier. <laughs> uh, you know, the respect doesn't come from the way that I look or the way that I dress. The respect comes from the respect that they can sense I have for myself. You got to respect so, yourself for anyone else to respect you. That's so off top. Most definitely. So that that's something that I've always been able to kind of integrate within myself. But now it's being more comfortable with it. Now it's being more comfortable with taking the social media route with getting my music on different digital platforms now. And it's more than just, you know, oh, I put music on SoundCloud. Because as soon as you tell someone SoundCloud you rapper, music, you a SoundCloud yeah, rapper. You get stamped as a SoundCloud rapper. And then once... Once they hear my music, they're like, wait, I thought you were a SoundCloud rapper. And I'm like, no, I actually, like, I'm in, I feel like to say I'm a rapper would be shortchanging myself because I feel like I'm an artist. I can, I can take on different, uh, 
elements of music as a whole and bring it together. Like, I don't even like reggae, but I made a reggae, reggae track. Why you don't like reggae? I just, it just doesn't speak to me the way that You gotta really to listen to people. it. Reggae has a lot of political and community. It has a lot of political messages. It and does. I definitely, it's deep. I definitely hear it. But the way that it's delivered, the rhythm of the, yeah, and, and the it rhythm. Deli- we were just talking about the deliver how people deliver the message to people. Yeah. Okay, one thing I want to tap on because we do got this little small part before we leave is the first part is does yourself ever tell you that you will never be better than Maserati shells? Never, <laughs> never. My, myself, tells uh, you're, you're me, lying to you. Stop lying to yourself, my, bro. Myself tells me Maserati got a marathon to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm, I might be done with music. I don't know. I'm having fun doing vlogging. I no. love this shit. I love interviewing people and talking to people and helping just like doing things that other people don't. Like I like to trailblaze. I like yeah. to like say, okay, no one's doing this. I'm gonna let me try this. Even if I fail, I try it again. But since we're gonna say this, top five uh, hip hop artists. Top five, highly controversial. Top five. Um, my number one is Eminem. Period. Point blank. Oh my god, we just talked about this last uh, night. <laughs> number two is uh, J Cole. Number three, I gotta go with Big L. Um, number four. I mean, personally, I think my dad's lyricism is ridiculous. He would have killed you for the first ones uh, you said, anyway. <laughs> nah, he wouldn't have. For Big L, he would have told you. He would have uh, cut you out no, for Big yeah, L. For an East Coast rapper, yeah, East Coast, Coast rapper, rapper, any, any East Coast rapper, yeah. would have cut you out. Yeah, but definitely bulletproof. Um, and then my number five is up in the air. Jay Z, I mean, not Jay Z. Pac, Biggie. I, I'd say it's somewhere in the realm of Pac and Biggie, but it just depends on how I'm feeling at that time. Because I read something online the other day where it was like, you know, uh, artist-wise, Tupac was a better artist. But lyricism-wise, Biggie was a better lyricist. So I it, think- it just depends how you want your message to you, because Tupac lyrics weren't as... As intricate as Biggie's, but he was delivering a message of the yeah. people. So no, it's a di- it's a difference of how you want it. Like I, they're always in, they're go they go one and two. So yeah, you, so you can put it, both of yeah, them. Yeah, I think it's like as a whole, you got to sell it because yeah, you have um, to. That's what they did within themselves. They yeah. used themselves as a whole to sell the message because it was just building that way. Top five hip hop albums. Top five hip hop albums. Shit. And I have five I'm, albums if you just want to use all five I'm, of mine. That's fine. I just, they're I'm classics. Gonna to, I'm going to have to stretch to, uh, to mixtapes for this one, though. No, that, well, because how the game is, I consider mixtapes albums. So, so you can say that because they still sell them. So it's yeah. still an LP so that's Friday sold. Night Lights is definitely. Oh my, one you of the and best. this J. Cole one shit, bro. What the fuck? Collection of music like ever put together. Um, number two, I got to say, is. Hmm. I say coloring book by chance. I oh, really like man. the way Come that, that was on, put together. Bro, are you serious? But I put acid rap before coloring book actually. He's talking about being on acid and rapping. Yeah. So you're you're Oh hey, my god. Hey, you wow. see that's the the progression. The progression is he went from talking about being on acid and rapping to the community work and the you know being the hugest piece of Chicago to Chicago. Oh, most definitely. It, it doesn't help that your father is always already a part of it, but yeah, uh, I mean, it doesn't help. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, 
a lot of people can say that. You know what I mean? No, like, no. I, I like thing is he's just not my era, so I never yeah. really caught on to Chance the Rapper. I like some of his songs, like uh, what's the song he got with Wayne and Two Chains? One more label. Oh, no I like that song because yeah. of the concept behind it. He's saying being independent. Yeah. So that's two. And then uh, I'm a rock with more about nothing from Wale, most underrated mixtape. Period. Never, I've never listened yeah, to that. More about nothing is so fire, but it's super underrated. Um, then I'm gonna go with No Ceilings, classic. Um, and then, hmm, I don't know. I don't know what I would put in that fifth spot. Kind of two thousand one. That's what I rock with the most. Is I. I, I, I guess uh, you know what we might have to invite you back for. We have a new a new uh, vlog, or it's actually a live, and we did a, a template run last night, which is we go live on Facebook and we just talk about music reviews, like the top albums. We just get a personal opinion. Yeah, it's four of us drunk, loud, and faded, talking <laughs> shit like we used to do at the house. <clears throat> so before we get out of here, let everybody know where they can find your music, your social media, and where they can tap in with you. So social media is. There's two of them that you can tap in with. It's at uh, K-I-D-X underscore, and then at I-M, Xavier, the I is a one. Uh, that Those are for my music on Instagram. Uh, Facebook is just Xavier and Barnett. Um, then as far as, like, my music, it's all on SoundCloud right now. Get it off being, of SoundCloud. I'm gathering everything to go and uh, distribute on all platforms just because um, we hadn't been working with a producer for a while. So all the beats that I was doing was just like YouTube runs and so stuff what? like that. Put so. that shit out. If they sue you, at least you, you have to be. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you before we leave. And this goes to any artist out there that's using YouTube beats offline. Put that shit out. If you get paid and you make a hit, just pay them. You're already big now. You're in the game. Don't get yourself caught up with, oh, the legalities of being an underground artist. That's why you're an underground artist. You know how many beats I didn't use that wasn't mine? I'm like, I'm not paying for that shit. <laughs> They're not going to pay for my beat that I put up on there. It's probably a nigga somewhere in Nebraska rapping over one of my beats that ain't paid me. Yeah. So why would I pay him? But, man, it's a great to have you. It's, like, it's just like a family reunion. Um, definitely got to invite you back for mu Music Review Fridays. Um, see what you're going to say. We can get up out of here. So... Pretty much just to go back and circle around on what we were talking about as far as, like, me helping you uh, get those shows after you got out. Yeah. Um, just to bring an ending to that, um, I've done that for a lot of artists in Orange County. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I was, I'm really, really good at, and it's a skill that I got from working in the community, is networking. Uh, because when you paid me back and you got me on my first show at the House of Blues... I most definitely took that time and shout out. You did, you ran yeah, with that. I I went and networked with uh, the House of Blues in order to set up my own shows at the House of Blues. Um, I've run two now. I call them the Halo City Showcases because mm -hmm. you know that's what we've always been about the Halo City natives. You know the Halo City. So um, I've put on a lot of different artists to those shows, and you know it's all about just networking. Uh, trying to find the, you know, the most ripe artist to perform with because a lot of times, as underground artists, as you said, yeah, we get caught up in the two sides of rap. One side being the showmanship, and the other side being the lyricism and the community amongst it. Yeah, um, I feel like a lot of Orange County rap is 
in showmanship mm -hmm. and how if I one up this person, then I'm big. But I'm more about, you know, I'm all about community, period, point blank. Yeah. So just helping people get on that way is something that I've been able to do. And, you know, if you guys ever want to catch me out at one of the shows, it'll definitely be either House of Blues. Holler at them. Holler at the house. If you have to go to the House of Blues, go to the show, the Halo City Showcase, holler at him. He said walk up on him, talk to him, yeah, network. Definitely. He's willing to help all artists. See, that's what it's about, the hip-hop community out here. And um, we're going to sign off, and we're going to bring them back for Music Review Fridays. Yep. All right, holler. <laughs>